Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I have Jenny Taylor coming on to the show. Jenny, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. And I'm excited about the show. Uh, you usually start off the show with you giving us a uh, brief or descriptive, should I say, bio of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Of course, no problem. I'm Jenny Taylor, the Coast host. I actually live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I have been doing real estate in regards to rentals, short-term rentals, as well as some long-term rentals for a little over a decade now. I started really interestingly enough during the crash of 2008. I decided it was a great time to start buying some rentals as um, I did have a secure job at the time and thought it might be fun to really get into it, see what it was about, and really maybe use it as retirement in the end. I saw so many people lose so much money in 401k, and I thought, let me have a backup plan. Might as well try, and if I fail, at least I, I have done it and can understand and learn from that lesson. I have learned a lot of lessons through that uh, in having, I, I started with fixer-uppers, and I thought that DIY trend was a fun one to get on. It is a, a pain and a heartbreak, but I did learn a lot. And that's why I started the Coast Host podcast, which airs every Tuesday to talk about some of the lessons I've learned as well as have guests like yourself on. Oh, that's right. That's right. I was on your uh, show. What was it? Tuesday, right? It was. Yes. Yeah, so, very was successful. A... We got some email uh, feedback saying they loved the show. Oh, that's amazing. It was a lot of fun. Definitely. I agree. So my question is, okay, so you got into real estate investing now, and obviously because you watched the 401ks blow up. Um, as you know, I'm a pro real estate person. Uh, what I you know, find with when you have investments in the stocks, whether it's through mutual funds or whether it's direct investments, it's really at risk to the market. I mean, not that real estate isn't either, but real estate can never really go down to zero because you still own the land. Right. Right where the 401s or any kind of stocks, let me let's be clear, stocks can go down to zero, companies can go under. And once that money is gone, that ship has sailed. That's very true. I've always I've always thought about land is the most valuable thing you can have as it, it's it's going to be there and there's not making any more of it. So I, I really believe that that's a great investment, regardless if you have lost some money in it, it's still it's something that you own. Yes, exactly. So now you said you had a uh, job before all this. And I mean, obviously, that's how you got approvals. And that's how you began. Uh, what were you doing, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, actually still doing the same thing. So uh, I could say real estate's more of my hobby than it is my job. I uh, work in the utility industry. I've been uh, at it for about 15 years. And I work in uh, both electric and gas utility, uh, more on the renewable side now on the digital sector. So working on decarbonization, sustainability goals, and using digital tools that we build uh, to help meet those goals. Well, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, uh, that's where my passion lies besides real estate. <laughs> oh, for real. So it's not even, it was, that's amazing. You know what? Like, it's kind of rare that you see someone get into the uh, sort of corporate world and have passion in it. Mm -hmm. usually when you hear like at least it's been the experience that i've come across it could just be i'm hanging around the wrong people but um <laughs> when i come across somebody who's in the corporate world it's usually sort of the i got a job and you know i'm close to retirement or i'm halfway through and i'm just gonna coast through it and it's like oh okay right but you know I, you know and then people do things on the side and then like you know that kind of made sense 
the fact that yeah, like you have two passion projects in a sense. So that's that's amazing. Thank you. I'm extremely lucky to be able to have found something, a niche that I'm passionate in. That because if you love going to work every day, you're going to do a better job no matter what. And being able to then have another passion on the side that also can make money is really exciting as well. For sure. Now, growing up, obviously, uh, I don't think you uh, woke up and say, I want to get into renewable energy. No, no, <laughs> I wasn't actually. But it's funny where I came from, if, uh, a small town in South Carolina called Aiken, South Carolina. And they actually had a nuclear facility out there and uh, they created nuclear power for that facility. But also it was what people call the bomb plant. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but during Manhattan Project era, uh, they did make uh, weapons for, you know, for war. So I kind of grew up in that environment and knew a lot of people that did it. And I just thought chemical engineering was something I, I thought would be very interesting to go into that field. I did not finish in that field, but uh, I did do some PR and marketing for for the industry. And that's how I, I kind of started out. So, it, yeah, it's not something that you wake up every day, but it is something that I learned a lot about from being in that environment. And it just it became a passion of mine. And then from from that nuclear power generation, I actually was in, in the nuclear field for about a decade, my first part of my career and uh, working in operating nuclear plants, building nuclear plants, as well as d d storage, waste transportation. And that was really, I still am very passionate about that. You hear once nuclear, always nuclear. It's the cleanest, greenest, most reliable energy out there. Uh, so when I say renewable energies, I still have that passion for nuclear energy. But um, yeah, so that's, yeah, not something you wake up and say I want to do every day, but it's something that I'm very passionate about. Right. That makes sense. And, you know, it's one of those things that I, I hear nuclear and start going, whoa, that could be dangerous. And yeah. I'm sure it could be, but I mean, that's, it's interesting. You know what I mean? Like it's definitely interesting for me. Like I, I it's one of those things. How do you dispose of it? You know what right. I mean? Like, and that's where I don't think it's a problem now because they have options, but sooner or later, those options are going to run uh, kind of dry. If you think about it. Right. It's interesting because it really starts with education. Nuclear isn't as scary as people might think it is. If you understand really, it's just how you, how you heat the water is separating those molecules. And um, it's an radiation's naturally occurring. You eat a banana, that's the most radioactive fruit there is. If you have a phone near you, there's radiation. The ground, if you dig in your garden soil, there's radiation. So understanding that radiation's all around you, to me, being in the industry for so long, I'm not just saying this, but um, it is, I would prefer to live next to a nuclear plant than a coal plant. Obviously that's way more dangerous. There's so many safeguards around. And if we really want a clean, reliable, grid you, you kind of have to understand that nuclear is the way to go and if you're doing it right and doing it safe then it's the best option out there which makes sense you just would never think that but <laughs> you're right i mean obviously i'm completely uneducated when it comes to that no it's great i mean and that's why i say it starts with education educating your neighbors your friends your, everyone but um really with race with the transportation and waste uh, that is a big big uh red flag there because there is waste very 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 small amount of waste compared to everything else it's even solar facilities create more waste with the panels that go bad we have no way to recycle those but we do have a way to recycle uranium and that's the exciting thing france arriva uh has been doing it for a long time we have a facility in the u.s that we don't really use don't know a lot about canada i know you have nuclear but i don't know how if you recycle um and that's really what becomes a renewable it's it's generated from the earth you can recycle it and reuse it and i, I really 
I'm very passionate there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty interesting. So now going into real estate, you got into that. You found an opportunity. Yes. And how many units do you have up right now? Currently only one. And I, I say that this is my retirement, my early retirement. And that's why I started the podcast to really talk about it more because I still have that passion for it. And I still want to tell people and educate people on real estate and learn from the from the lessons I did. So with this most recent boom of prices increasing, I sold three properties in the last two years and was able to kind of put into one and also put into my primary residency to finally, for the first time ever, add things that I wanted, like a pool. I've never done that before. I was always fixing roofs or fixing leaks or using all of that money to really go back into things that needed to be done, not that I wanted to be done. So currently I'm in semi-retirement there. Uh, I'm sure I'll get back into it soon. I look at I look at uh, MLS every single day. So Yeah, that makes sense. And that's pretty awesome. So what is your overall objective here? Like, because I mean, you have one right now. So you have your primary residence plus your rental. So technically you have two, but only one's really an investment unit. Right. Um, my primary objective at this moment, and of course that could change tomorrow, uh, is really to learn more about the market. We're at a high, high part right now, which is why I sold everything. Um, waiting for when that bubble will, will come down a little bit. Uh, I know interest rates just rose in a substantial amount. I was very lucky to sell before that. And I think the market's calming a little bit from what I'm looking at. And so maybe I'll get back into it like I did in 2008 when that bubble hit. I started buying then and maybe I'll do that again. I'm not sure. Or um, I started with my North Carolina real estate license, didn't really do anything with it. So maybe I'll, now that I'm in South Carolina, go for that and maybe do it as a, as a hobby as well. I don't think it'll ever be my primary because the utility is, is my primary. So my right. friends are there, but I really think it'll always be a part of my life. Whatever that looks like, who knows? True. That makes sense. I, and that's the thing, right? Like I have a different version of where I think the market is going. I don't think we'll, at least in our lifetime, see a 2008 ever again. Um, well, to be honest, uh, Canada has never seen 2008 or at least not to that degree. <laughs> So with that being said, obviously, yeah, you're right. We're on, a, we are kind of in a cooler market than where we were, but we were in an abnormal market to begin right. with. I mean, it goes back to 26 and a half percent for one year. That's completely unsustainable and completely not normal. Right. Um, I think with the news media and the fear mongering that's going on, it's going to make the market worse than it is. I think we were headed, what I think was happening, in my opinion, was we were heading to what I call a balanced market. And we were going to get there at some point down the road where, you know, it's back to the old, uh, you know, houses stay on the market for a couple of months. You negotiate back and forth, you know, the usual real right. estate. And that's what I was expecting with uh, all the fear mongering. People are getting scared. And I, I and what I've learned is when people get scared, what do they do? They pause. They wait. And uh, more people wait, the worse it'll get. Which therefore might even push us into a buyer's market. Yeah, and which is kind of what I'm doing: waiting, <laughs> seeing, and so not helping it at all either. But I mean, I watch the stocks every day. I know it has a very high relevance to uh, interest rates and to the market, and. 
you know, it, it is, you're right. Right now, people are, are holding their breath to see what happens. Yeah. And again, the stock market, I that is already tanked. That's, that ship has sailed. And I think that's just going to get even worse. And, sorry, I don't know why my alarm went off. But anyways, um, yeah, no, that ship has sailed. And I, I'm not a fan of stocks, as you can tell. <laughs> um, I like to travel in several things. So we'll see <laughs> if something hits, it hits. You know, I've got some Bitcoin, got some stocks, got some houses, just trying to figure out what to do. Yeah, I look at it and see if it's something that, um, you know, maybe it's just the fact that I don't get them. I mean, it's all, it goes up and down based on hype and there's no real substance to it. You can have a company that's very profitable and their stock shrink. That makes no sense to me. Uh, it's interesting that you say that. I don't know if you've heard much about the game stock, uh, stock that's been going up and down. Uh, and it was really kind of the millennial way of trying to show that the market is run differently than it should be differently than we expect it to be. And I think it was 2020, maybe April, 2020, when everyone was at home trying to figure out what to do, maybe bored. There was a, I think a tweet that went out saying buy GameStop. It was very inexpensive at the time. I said, what the heck? I'll just buy a little bit, man. Then they said, sell everything, you know? And so I'm just like following whatever, just not a lot of money, just trying to play with it a little bit. And, and really it worked. And I made some money on that. And now GameStop still has been, and it's just kind of this, no one really, goes to GameStop anymore. No one really cares about it as much. Especially yeah. online shopping and you can buy games online now. But it's one of those kind of interesting stock scenarios where people are playing with the market just to play with the market. And it really means nothing. And you're right. So a company that's really not not doing very good, like GameStop, uh, can be influenced by just the public and what they can do. So it's, it's a very interesting scenario there. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, and that's why I don't understand it. So I try to stay away from things I don't understand. But again, you know what? If you have, if there's extra money that uh, don't know what to do with, better off to play the market and take your chances than just to leave it as cash. Right. I never, I never play the market with money I need. It's yeah. just fun money. It's just like people like to go to Vegas and gamble. I like to gamble with the market. Same thing. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. So... Okay, so from from here on, like you, you got your one property. Like, did you say you did short term rentals? Yes, mainly short term rentals. Unfortunately, in Charleston, South Carolina, there's there's a lot of, uh, and so, this is happening all over the world, really. I think Hawaii was doing it, Asheville, North Carolina was doing it, a couple other places. I'm not sure about internationally as much, but um, where the government is not allowing short term rentals, uh, and if they are, it's through permit and kind of who you know, and you have to get like architectural designs and you have to go through this whole process and then you have to pay a higher tax percentage. So 4% would be a normal tax rate on a, a property and they up it to 6% now that you have this permit to do short-term rentals. So anything under 30 days is what they qualify as a short-term rental. Anything over 30 days, they don't really care about uh, as you have to have rentals in an area. So I'm, I'm dabbling in a little bit of both because I can't really do the short-term rental here, honestly. Right. That makes sense. Now I get it. Um, it's a shame when every government intervenes with something, it always, you know, it always changes everything. It does. I mean, I wish I could, I mean, short-term rental is more quick income. It's a lot more work, a lot more hands-on, but it's, it's quicker income. So I really have enjoyed that market for the past 10 years. And then uh, when Airbnb came around, it made it a lot easier. So I have enjoyed doing that short-term rental market, long-term rentals. I don't care for as much 
especially because you don't have hands on the property as much and seeing what what's happening, what's being destroyed, what's being broken. But um, overall, I know you're more interested in, I think, in the, in the long-term rental. And I've actually looked at some of the condo multi-units that you've been talking about since we spoke last. And uh, it's, it's something I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah, well, multi-residential, right? Um, the only reason I haven't thought about short-term is because I really have never experienced it, right? So I, I'm curious. I'm like, and I'm fascinated by the concept. Right. Like I, I just don't get like if somebody's going someplace for just say five days, why won't you just rent a hotel? Like a lot of people really like having the use of a backyard, a kitchen, especially for families. A short term rental is more for families. Uh, they don't want to go to a hotel where they don't have amenities, especially with uh, prices being so high right now. Going out to eat is very expensive. So you might pay a little bit more for the short term rental over a hotel but you're getting so much more in the fact that you can buy groceries and cook and, and you have full bathrooms and backyards and everything that you can do. And so you're almost, it's almost a staycation in itself for folks that do that, but you're staying somewhere you've not seen before. Well, that's an interesting perspective. I like, I didn't never thought of it that way. Um, but you're right though, you know, with everything that's, you know, with inflation, everything that's gone up, it's, it is a little bit pricier than it used to be. Um, I, again, I've never, but then again, I'm not a family. So you're right. That makes sense. Uh, I, I spend very little time in any hotel room or anything for that matter. I wander around when I go, go away. So, but again, single person. So it kind of makes sense. Right. But a family might be a different, uh, thing. There are also really cool things you can look into with Airbnbs and VRBOs that uh, more are experiences. And I think that's a new thing, a new fad that's come around. People want to stay in the yurts and the domes and the um, really cool camping experiences. And, and people who own land can rent out these spaces for very inexpensive for the families, but they're making a profit on land that would otherwise not have been used by putting up a thousand dollar dome or by putting a camp, you know, a, a fire pit for camping area. And so it's kind of uh, feeding both hands. Uh, you can say like the families that are looking or couples that are looking or even single, I've gone on these, these camping adventures by myself. And so it, it fits both needs there. That makes sense. Now, again, because I know that uh, it's just short term uh, rental, right? Like, and I never thought of the use as much, which is good. But couldn't you make a multi-residence into short-term as well? When I say multi, I mean like a five-plex, four-plex, six-plex, stuff like that. You definitely could, depending on uh, the restrictions in your area. Like I said before, several several places are now restricting, just like they did with Uber when Uber first came out. You know, you have this app that hits the market and it's taking out the taxi industry. Uh, you're going to have pushback from governments, from from industries that have been around for 50 years. So I think that's what's happening right now. Uh, Charleston, where I live, is a very tourist-oriented area. So you are having that pushback from the hotel uh, industry that's paying those really big taxes and bringing in those tourist dollars. But um, when it comes to condos, it's very much as long as the HOA allows it. So there's a lot of restrictions, more restrictions. Uh, I do know, I did talk to my my lender and for condo units, you do have higher interest rates or different kind of loans you have to get out here in the US. And then uh, you have to look into the HOAs. Do they allow those short-term rentals? Some of them do not, especially here in Charleston. And then uh, you have to also look into your, your regulation in your area. But yes, it can definitely be done. And, and that's now 
six units. If you start with that six that you always talk about, that's six units now that you can make a higher income. So say you would rent them usually for 1200 a month or 2000 a month for long-term rentals. Now you're thinking about, um, you know, a thousand to $2,000 a week. So you're multiplying that by four when you're getting those, those short-term rentals. Yeah. But is it rented out every week? Like, does that actually happen? So I'll say, uh, depending on your location, obviously, um, I've usually stuck at about an 85% um, a rental rate, which I'm totally okay with. 85% to me, occupancy is is a great ratio. And uh, those times that you don't have it rented out, you do maintenance, cleaning, and then you can stay there yourself if you'd like. So that's uh, the benefit of having, having those rentals. You can even put different parameters around Airbnb is what I use more. So that's what I know about more. You can put parameters that I want it to be rented out 90% of the time and they'll start doing ads, especially if you're a super host, they'll bump it up to the top. Uh, they'll also say, well, maybe you need to change this, take a different picture or lower your rate or offer weekend discounts or offer week long discounts or all these or come back again and see us discount. So if they come stay with you once, they can come back and get a discount to stay with you twice. So there's so many things that you can do to increase that occupancy rate that uh, is really interesting to, to look into. That makes sense. Okay, I, I get it. So there's there's options and various. It's uh, interesting for me as well. Like I, I find it very fascinating, right? Like I always, like, again, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I know Airbnb has been around. I kind of know, you know what I mean? But it was always one of those things that I look at it and I'm saying, yeah, you're getting more per night, but it seems odd to be able to have that many days booked. Yeah. Right. But then again, that's a scarcity mindset. Well, now right? a lot of companies also are using it for corporate rentals. So that's another option that, you know, you can offer. I, I had one insurance company that continued to use me uh, and one rental. It was really great in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I think it was Liberty Mutual. They let one of their insurance uh, people stay, you know, was having a claim at their house. A tree fell through the roof and we had such a good experience with each other and they paid top dollar that they continued using me because they knew it was a reliable rental. And so if you get that one or two clients that will continue to use you either, either corporately or insurance wise, you have it sold there. Right. So this brings up my uh, curiosity because you said you had three other units before, right? Mm -hmm. And you sold it because the market was high, mm -hmm. which I can see that thinking, but I also have that buy and hold kind of mindset. Right. I remember you saying that before. Yeah. So my curiosity is because, you know, with four units, you have four cash flows, mm -hmm. right? And that's constant cash flow. Correct. So long term, wouldn't, especially since you said you were using it for uh, retirement, right? My quote unquote retirement. Yes. Right. <laughs> wouldn't it have been uh, more beneficial to have uh, four units paying you constantly? Completely agree with you. I think I got to burnout. As I was managing all the rentals myself and they were aging. Uh, one of them I'd had for 10 years. I, I had a leak in the roof and then I had some mold issues. And so I, I really got to the point where managing those multiple properties, especially as they were aging, uh, just got to be a little too much for me. And I, I did. I hit burnout about 10 years in. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to quote unquote retire from real estate. I'm going to take a break and enjoy life a little bit. I think through uh, I'm in my late 30s and through my 20s and 30s, I, I just 
I was grinding, 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 working two, three jobs, working those rentals, doing multiple things. And, and I had all the energy to do so. And then I looked back and I think really honestly, COVID hit and you reprioritize your life and your interests and what's important to you. And I, I feel like I didn't lose those years of grinding, but at the same time, I just felt like I needed to slow down, uh, let that burnout happen. Right. Make a little bit of money, take a little bit of time to myself and, and focus on friendships and family during COVID. And I'm, I'm happy with what I did, but yes, I do miss that extra income every month. I really do, but I do not miss the weekend phone calls. Again, I was managing the properties myself because I could, and because I wanted more money, even though sometimes it's even better to pay someone else to deal with a headache. But I, I just, um, I, I like having my weekends back for the first time, really I in my adult life. I get that part. So yeah, that that part may, makes sense. And again, it comes down to who manages it. That's where the big you know, difference comes in, which is why it goes back to what I said. I like with the uh, multiplexes, you can get multiple units and hammer out more cash flow. Therefore have a property management uh, company take care of it. And you get, even if, you know, prime example, pretend your cash flow is 2,500 a month. I would rather myself speaking, I would rather make 1300 a month and never hear from anybody than to make the 2,500 a month. And like you said, have your weekends ruined. Right. Right. I mean, they're both great perspectives and I love that we can do this podcast with two different perspectives. If we both agreed on everything, this would be boring. So <laughs> yeah. it's here both. That's true. Right. So no, yeah. So there's different options. And again, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never thought of that. Somebody turns around and tells me buy a multifamily, like a multiplex, but you know, I buy a building with six, you know, apartment units in it. I'd be like, I can't afford that. Right. Like, right. You wouldn't think that it's not much of a difference, right? Like you wouldn't think that because you look at a, look at a 30 story building with 300 units. Some of them work out to be like $200,000 a unit and you're going, yeah, but a condo is 500,000. How's that possible? It's just not the same math. Sure. 200,000 units times 320 apartments. That's a lot of money, right? Right. So most people won't have that, but, but mathematically, if you think about it, it makes more sense mathematically. Right. Well, it's interesting because I, I do like the fact that if you own multiplexes in one unit, I like the fact that it's right there. I mean, when you have single family homes, they're spread out. So you might be visiting multiple places. I mean, I've had some that are two hours away. That's not a fun drive. So you have a maintenance guy and a cleaning lady and every, everything you need. But um, I really like the fact of knowing that they're all within one area. And it's easier to maybe manage or have one manager for that area. Uh, so I really like that idea. Again, it's something I've never thought about that I'm now considering. True. Now, here's the other thing. How did you find your properties? Like when you bought them, like I'm sure they didn't just appear in front of you. I mean, obviously you search for them, but how, you had to be searching certain areas, certain places for certain things. Of course. Yeah. Uh, great question. So I've moved around the Carolinas a lot. And where I live, I always look for what's in that area, what's available. Um, I usually have a parameter, you know, two bedroom minimum, two bathroom minimum. Those are very easy to resell. And um, I've, I've come across them multiple different ways. One is just looking on my own. One is having a realtor kind of look for me and, and send me those updates and alerts. Uh, one is having Zillow updates and alerts send me when things just hit the market right away. But um, I've even had some some interesting scenarios where I looked at rental properties, uh, looked at their tax. We have area um, online resources here where you can look up to see 
how much the taxes are if someone owns it outright. And I would, I would get information on that. And I've actually reached out to people to things that are not on the market. Uh, and just if I noticed that someone had one rental unit and they owned a primary residence, I reached out to her and wrote a, uh, an offer to purchase the home. And she hadn't even thought about selling. And as she thought about it more, she came back and said, yeah, let's do this. And we went off market and just did it between the two of us. And um, so there's different ways I've done it. It's just whatever opportunity arises at that moment. Yeah, see, that's very creative, right? You're thinking outside the box. You're not just uh, waiting for the opportunity to present itself. You're looking for it. Right, right. And you might get better deals that way too, but not everyone wants to sell when you just send them an offer in the mail. <laughs> no, of course not. But And that's where having a thick skin comes in, right? Like being okay with the fact that somebody's going to say no. Right, and you never, ever, ever, ever fall in love with a property, ever. You know, because you... You just don't know that it could not pass inspection or you that people could say no or you do own it and then you make all these upgrades and then you don't want to sell it or you don't want to rent it or you don't want anyone hurting it. So just never fall in love. <laughs> yeah. See, that's one thing that makes no sense to me to, for people to be emotional about property. It's like it's four walls. It's got drywall in it and it's got more drywall to divide the four walls. So you have little rooms inside. <laughs> but like, where's the heartbeat? You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I, I get it as in, you know, wanting to take care of the property, right? Because you want it to appreciate. I get that part. I get the fact that, you know, you're, you're, you know, like maintenance is required. You can't just let the thing fall over, right? Yeah. But what I don't get is that why people get overly hurt with it. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like you didn't get dumped by your uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or, or in your, you're not get, getting divorce papers served. It's four walls. They'll be okay. You know what I mean? Like, like right. it just, you know, for me, it's a transaction. Yeah. That's business. Where. You can't, you can't be emotional when it comes to business, no matter what. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, and there's going to be plenty of opportunities out there. And I believe sometimes you go where you're meant to go. And what I mean by that is like, you don't get this property, but sometimes you weren't meant to get it. You know, you go down the road and sometimes you find something better. And, um, and then uh, what happens is when you find something better, you end up um, getting um, better deals. And had you got that one, you wouldn't have found the current one. Totally agree. Totally right. Agree. So sometimes, you know, so, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll, it's meant to be. And that's what it comes down to. Very true. That's very true. I completely agree with that. Awesome. So now what does the future hold for you? Yeah, I, I wish I was a fortune teller. I wish I had a magic ball. Really, it all depends on what the market's going to do, what my pocketbook says, and what my interests lie in. So I, I am interested in, in looking into more. I never jump on anything right away. I like to research the heck out of it and then decide if it's the right opportunity for me. Uh, but I but I am interested and I'm looking at more long-term, maybe multiplex units. Um, and also maybe finishing that North uh, I'm sorry, South Carolina real estate license just to be able to to do a little something on the side. So we'll see, we'll see what the market holds. Uh, either way, I'm going to stay in it with interest and continue my podcast and just see where I go from there. Yeah. We'll get into the podcast. Like I, I know you said that it's basically you're doing it to educate, right. And to share your experiences. Yes, very much. So, um, but what part of the podcast interests you? Like why a podcast and not uh, Instagram or something? I'm just no, using well, that as an example. As 
listen to a lot of podcasts and I learn from them as well. And I thought it was a great opportunity. It's very easy to, uh, I guess, um, record and publish different podcasts. They're quick, easy bites. I don't like to usually go over like 15 minutes for mine just because I don't usually have an attention span longer than that. Um, and really, I just thought podcasts are great for education and they're accessible. They're, they're always there. You can look at multiple different uh, topics and scenarios. You can invite guests and, and I'm meeting people and I'm learning things while hosting the podcast. And I think if I was just on Instagram, it wouldn't have been um, as educational for me as well. Right, right. So I'm going to ask you two final questions and then I'm going to get into what I call the lightning round. Okay. Which is just a bunch of fun questions just uh, get to know more of your you and your personality and stuff. Sounds great. So second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? Oh, that's great. Well, I know my day will be successful if I start by making my bed, taking a shower and grabbing some coffee. That's how I start every day. That's how I know that my day will be successful. Um, but how I know at the end of the day that it was successful is if somehow I have made a difference either to myself, to my family, to my loved ones, to my work, uh, or to anyone in the general public, if I've somehow made a difference, whether it be pick up a piece of trash as small as that, um, then I know that my day has been a success and that my time here on earth through that day was giving back rather than taking. Good answer. Now, last question is, where do people find you online? I love that question. You can find me on the coast.host on Instagram. You can also reach out to me on Facebook at the coast host. Listen to my podcast again, the coast host, keeping that branding uh, throughout. And you can also email me at the coast host at mail.com. That is awesome. Now, getting into the lightning round where we get to uh, find out uh, some fun facts. Perfect. Let's so we're going to start off with your favorite food. Oh, that's a good one. I'd say sushi. I love good sushi. If I can find it, I will eat it. <laughs> oh, I love sushi. I had that yesterday. Oh, I need some right now. Amazing. Um, favorite vacation spot and why? Oh, that's tough. Um, I don't like to usually go to the same spot twice, even though I've been to Nassau a couple times because it's a, an easy flight from here in the Bahamas and it's inexpensive once you get there and very Americanized. So, but I don't want to say that one. It's just easier. That's why I've gone there. I would say South Africa. I did a stint at a volunteering at a wildlife refuge uh, for the big five. And I stayed on, uh, on site with giraffes outside and monkeys climbing everywhere and lions roaring in the morning. And there's something magical about magical about South Africa. It is uh, uh, one of the most gorgeous places I've ever visited. I've been to about 19 countries. Um, I could live there. It's one place that I can say that besides the U.S., I would live there in a heartbeat. Um, and it's just magical. And there's something about the land there that's beautiful. The people, the the animals, everything about it is just gorgeous. So I I love South Africa. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's the first time I've heard that one, and uh, I love your reasoning. Thank you. Thank you. Um, favorite podcast? Oh, I would say the coast host. <laughs> actually, it's a good one. <laughs> I know, right? No, there's actually, I love the murder podcast. I know it's like very, uh, everyone's into it right now. And I will say there's something called Live and Die in LA that I've kind of been on right now. And it's just uh, solving murder mysteries, uh, missing people in LA. My family all lives out in, in Los Angeles, California. Uh, so it's just interesting to me. 
Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I would say next question was a favorite pocket, favorite book. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. There's a couple of them. Um, I'm trying to think now. I don't know. That's a hard one. Um, Could be the top two. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. All right, one. you can pass on that one. <laughs> I know it's so crazy, and I read a lot. I uh, I'm on uh, Goodreads, so you can follow what I read. Um, I usually allow myself an inspirational book or a work related book, and then I allow myself a fun like murder mystery book. Um, I love John Grisham as well, and uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I where I and James Patterson. I really love his stuff too. So I don't really have like an actual favorite book. I used to love the chicken soup for the soul books. Those were kind of fun growing up. How about favorite hobby? Favorite hobby. Really anything water related. I love fishing, surfing, wakeboarding, kayaking. So anything involving water, swimming. Um, I love being near water. So I would say those are all hobbies of mine that I enjoy. Water hobbies, water sports. So you're very outdoorsy, basically. Yes, I love to be outside. And being indoors too much hurts my soul. Yeah, I get it. Now, if you had unlimited amount of money, you didn't have to work to pay bills or do anything and you could do whatever you want. What would your dream week look like? Oh, it would be traveling. I know everyone talks about being addicted to traveling, but I really, really am. So my dream week would be probably I've always wanted to do, I hate to go back to South Africa again, but I've always wanted to do, they have something, it's a backpacking adventure and um, it's called the garden route. And you start, mm-hmm. I think we're in like Northern South Africa and they have a bus basically that you pay one fee and you stay at hostels all down the coast and you go all the way around. I think it's starting in Cape town. It goes all the way around to like, uh, Port, um, Port Elizabeth. So you can take that route. And I don't know if it takes a week, but that was how I would spend my week is backpacking, uh, staying in different hostels throughout South Africa. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and last one is, have you had something that you've been wanting to try, but either have been uh, too timid or too scared to, but uh, have, or something has been preventing you from doing it, but yeah. uh, you have it in your agenda to do it at some point. This isn't as probably, this probably was not what you're looking for, but I've I've always wanted to try kiteboarding (laughs) Um, and which is basically like wakeboarding with a a kite out in the ocean. And it's a very scary thing because you get a gust of wind that where it's very windy over here and you get a gust of wind that could take you out 20 miles out into the ocean. So it's dangerous when watching you. Um, But uh, overall, I really love to try that because I do love wakeboarding and, um, love being on the water it's just a very dangerous sport and so i haven't i've been too scared and too timid to get into it that's interesting i've never even heard of that before like i've heard of kites i've just never heard of it used that way right these big parachute kites that um pick you up and you're basically on a wakeboard and you let the wind take you where you need to go it's very interesting yeah, I definitely want to, you know, check that out. I've never even heard of it till now. I want to check it out. That sounds really interesting. But I can see why you'd be a little bit scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes sense. I get that. Awesome. I wanted to say thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful.
it's an absolute pleasure. I mean, our conversations are always usually really uh, fun. They are. I look forward to talking with you, John. It's um, it's always a pleasure getting to see you again. For sure. And we got to definitely keep in touch. For sure. Thanks for all your help on everything. My pleasure. All right. Talk with you soon. For sure. If you like what you've seen and you want to see more, subscribe to the link below.